Hey everyone, this is Malin. Before we dive into today's episode, I wanted to take a moment and address the elephant in the room, which is the audio quality of the episode you're about to hear. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. This episode may not be the most orally pleasing experience. Unfortunately, due to some technical difficulties beyond our control, we weren't able to achieve our usual audio standards. We had a tough decision to make, either scrap the entire recording and lose some truly amazing content or release it as is with the audio imperfections. We ultimately decided that the content we captured was too valuable to throw away, even if the sound wasn't ideal. So we're asking for your understanding. We know it's not perfect, but we hope you'll be able to look past the occasional glitches or background noise and focus on the substance of our conversation. We promise we'll be back with our usual crystal clear audio next week. But for this episode, we hope you can appreciate the content for what it is. And without further ado, let's get started with today's episode. Welcome to Roundtable Mindset, the podcast where we seek to understand and share different perspectives in order to grow and challenge our own. And we encourage you, our guest, to do the same. Each week, we will pick a topic to discuss sharing our own unique thoughts and insights. There will be times when we won't agree. And let's be real, that's probably going to be most of the time. And that's okay. We feel it's important to understand that we can live in this polarized world and still respect one another and even be friends. Hello, and welcome back to Roundtable Mindset. This is Jamie. And I'm Malin. And we're here for another um, exciting episode. We're just going to go with I, it. I think we have to stop talking about it because it's becoming awkward. So let's, it's exciting. <laughs> we're excited. It's always yes. good to be excited. Yes, I love, this is my favorite time of the week. So I'm, I'm always looking forward to this. So we're just going to go with it. That's right. Um, but my homework for next week is to going to be to find another descriptor. Okay, so. So it's funny that it's, this is when I think our minds are kind of synced a little bit because I went to a concert last night with my wife and daughter and her boyfriend. Um, We went to see Lindsey Sterling. I don't know if you know who that is. No, I don't. Who is that? So she is an, when I say an amazing violinist, that's, that's not even scratching the surface of what she does. Think about Ariel, um, like, oh, I, I don't want to say gymnastics, but like, She's up in the air. She's twirling on ropes and in circles, all while she's playing the vital violin. She's singing. Uh, I mean, Chris, this was her Christmas episode. So it was or her Christmas concert. And so it was all the Christmas songs. And then she puts a unique twist on them and she uses her violin. But she does all these amazing feats with it. These I'll call them aerial um, acrobatics. Um, unbelievable. And this was the first time I went my my wife and daughter have gone. I think this is their third concert they've seen of her. She's been on things like dancing with the stars. Um, she actually, which this is why I love an underdog. She was actually on America got talent and they roasted her basically. And they said that she would never really amount to anything and she would not, her stuff would not go very far. There wasn't an audience for it. And so she was exited off of the, uh, off of the show. 
And then fast forward a few years and she starts making it big. And do you know, they asked her back on the show and she said, no, she goes, I wasn't good enough for you when I was starting out. I'm not going to be coming back on. All of this <laughs> is awesome. speculation and through the grapevine, like I was with her, like I know this firsthand, but even if there's a fraction of that story that is true, I love it so much. So we went there and as we were driving there, I asked, getting back to my point, I was asking the family, okay, what else can we use instead of the word exciting? Cause it's getting tired. We keep talking about it. And they pretty much said, why not call it what it is? You know, you guys love what you're doing. You love the content you're bringing on. You like guests that you're coming on. Why can't your episodes be exciting? I am so with that. And let me tell you, I love a ton of our, like a ton of our ideas are, are helped along by your family. And I so appreciate that, that they're all so invested. I love it. It's, um, it's awesome. It's great to have a feedback, that kind of affirmation. That's what I was looking for <laughs> while we're doing. So honest feedback from the family is sometimes the greatest thing. Well, it's always the greatest <laughs> thing. Sometimes it's not always the greatest to hear. I was going to say, it doesn't always it, feel so. good, but. <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. It's always good to have. So family, if you're listening, thank you so much. We appreciate it. But um, you know, it always comes from a place of love. So that helps too. <laughs> yeah, well, and I also sometimes think it's it's a way for my kids to be like, yeah, we'll give you feedback. You made us take the, tr- you know, <laughs> take the dish, <laughs> take the trash out. We had to do dishes. I'll tell you feedback. That's fine. <laughs> and while we're at um, it. <laughs> Exactly. I'll tell you what I think, Dad. Um, but no, it's kind of funny because this will be this will be an interesting transition. Um, the food for thought that we're going to be talking on in just a second came from was inspired inspired by if I could talk was inspired by my daughter. So again, I think this is like the second food for thought she has kind of come up with that. I was like, I really like that. So if you're listening, sweet daughter, thank you again for the food for thought. But before we get in there, Jamie, what's been going on in your week? Um, not much. It's actually been kind of a chill week, which is awesome. Um, because <laughs> it hasn't been super chill for a while, but, um, not chill is and not busy, like, you know, always things to do and stuff, but, um, but it has been kind of nice to not feel like everything is under the gun, you know, just a little bit of a breather, I guess, before the holiday season. So that's been kind of nice, but, um, I did get to celebrate Gotcha Day with my daughter yesterday, which was kind of cool. So it's been, oh, I think 13 years since since Adoption Day, and we always called it Gotcha Day. So it's kind of, um, that was kind of nice to, to just spend a little time with her. I was going to say, so food for thought, bring it on, my friend, bring it on. So just to give a little highlight of what we're doing. So we have a very, um, again, I'm kind of prolonging the food for thought for just another second. We have a, I'll say an interesting guest coming on a little bit later. So we're going to get to uh, him after food for thought. I'm not going to lie. This subject is one that I've been really wanting to talk about because I don't know a lot about it. And so we brought a special guest on to kind of talk us through that. Um, so I, I'm excited to get to the actual content of our episode. So um, let's get through food for thought and then we'll dive right in. So today's food for thought, as I said, was inspired by my daughter um, and her food for thought question, Jamie, is can you really have too much of a good thing? Yes. And we're done. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) This is safe. Yep. Moving on. No. (laughs) Expand on that a minute because initially I said yes, but then as I started thinking about it, I was like, "Mm, if that's true, then would you ever call it a good thing? 
Because if something, if you can have too much of something and it becomes bad, is it really good to begin with? Well, I don't know. I guess I go off the idea that, you know, all things in moderation, right? So, I mean, I love cake. I really love cake. But too much cake is not good for me, right? It doesn't mean that it's not good to have a piece of cake. It's just not good to have the entire cake. So, to me, I don't know. I guess that's kind of where my mind went right away was like, yeah, you can have too much of a good thing, but how do you not, <laughs> like, how can you argue that, I guess? Well, and so you were, you were in exactly where I went when I first heard this. When she brought that up, I was like, yes, and move on. <laughs> and we talked about it in the car on the way to the concert. And kind of where my mind was going was, well, then, and again, I know cake is not evil or good by itself. I get this as I, as this comes out of my mouth, I understand (laughs) it doesn't have those kind of properties, but cake tastes good, but cake is never good for you. So when you start looking at, and I'm just using your example, if we start looking at those examples of those types of characteristics, having too much of a good thing to me, I think good thing is good drinking, uh, Good, clear drinking water. Can you ever have too much good, clean drinking water? Um, Well, actually, I think there is a thing where if you drink too much water, it like floods your brain and you can die. So, I mean, good, clean drinking water is a thing. And truthfully, and even with cake, my friend, like cake, I think, um, I think sugar gives you like a dopamine hit. Like that's a chemical that your brain needs to keep you happy. So, you know what I'm saying? Like the whole cake is not good, but... (laughs) Again, don't confuse feeling good from actually having good qualities. That's because there's a there's a lot of things that we do that make us feel good. But are they really good for us? If you take away like if you take away the hormones that make you feel good, though, then what do you have left? Like I am depressed all the time. I don't know. I just no. Well, but you you can't just normally you can't just trigger yourself to have those emotions. And but being back to the question <laughs> on. Can you have too much of a good thing? Um, I'm trying to really find things that I would say are in are inherently good or what I would say is are good in nature. So I wouldn't say money is a good thing. So if I had too much money, well, money is not inherently good, I don't think. So, but if I had oxygen, enough oxygen to breathe, could you ever have too much oxygen? I mean, we try to get our oxygenated blood up to 100%. Even when you go to the hospital, if it's down into the low 90s, that's a problem. So to me, that would be an example of another item that is good. And can you have too much of a good thing? Eh, I don't think so. Well, and you could look at sunshine. We get vitamin D from sunshine, right? But if you have too much sun exposure, you get sunburned. So I, th- I mean, I feel like all of those examples lead me to believe moderation is the key, right? Like, <laughs> well... And, and my personal belief, yes. Do I practice moderation? <laughs> but I do agree. I do agree that moderation is the key. But when you ask that question, can you have too much of a good thing? I don't know. At first I said, yes, you can. But then if you start looking at those things that if you have too much exposure to or too many things that you consume, are they really good for you to begin with? Well, I think water is probably the best example of, yes, water is important. And most people don't get enough water. But, um, you know, I, 
I think moderation is the key. <laughs> just, I'm just going to go with my first answer. Yes, you can't have too much of a good thing. Unless it's taco night and then then go hog wild. I'm just yeah. saying. <laughs> yeah. The, taco is literally gift from God. Everybody should be eating tacos <laughs> as much as you possibly can. I 100% agree with you that. You cannot have too much of it because um, it's innate. It's inanimate, right? <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so if you flip this question on the just to, just to segue for a second, you have too much of a good thing. Can you have too little of a bad thing? Oh, hmm. Too little of a bad thing. Can you think of a bad thing? I'm having a hard time thinking of a bad thing because most things are like, uh, like money is the root of all evil. But can you have too little money? Mm, yep. You know what I mean? <laughs> well. <laughs> Well, if if water is bad for you, you can definitely have too little water, and that could also kill you, right? Because you could get dehydrated and die. So, I don't know. I think uh, drugs. I feel like drugs. I guess. I feel like you're just poking at the human nature to yeah, overindulge. You know what I mean? Like. <laughs> As people, we overindulge. If it feels good, we want to do more of it. If, if it tastes good, we want to eat more of it. If it makes us happy, we want to have more of that. And you know, I think that's I think that's the nature of people in general. Well, and I think what I've taken away from all of this food for thought is good doesn't always equal feels good. Oh, right? yeah, yeah. So well, because even like exercise. You can exercise too hard. I saw an episode of Grey's Anatomy. I'm just saying. That's <laughs> Jamie, that show is too much like woven into your everyday. You do realize that is a produced show. All things right? can go back to Grey's Anatomy. I am I, some of the best life lessons okay. I've ever had came from Grey's Anatomy. So okay. I am almost well, a doctor. Another... Okay? No, I'm just kidding. I'm totally okay, kidding. I was gonna say <laughs> there's another piece to the puzzle that is Jamie. Okay. Um <laughs> Explains a lot. Thank you. All Thank right. you uh, for the food for thought. Your <laughs> <yes>. sweet daughter. <laughs> um, so let's go ahead and start getting into our main episode. Like I said, um, I'm really interested about this. I've heard through rumor mill and articles online, videos that I've seen. I think there was a show that I watched on. It was either Discovery Plus or TLC that talked about extreme cases of this. And so I have no firsthand knowledge. I have no firsthand experience. I don't even know anybody that would fall into this category, Jamie. So we're kind of talking today about, you know, like preppers, uh, doomsday preppers, people that are, you know, living off the land or could go off the grid. I mean, these are types of things that are kind of filling my mind. And so we were, uh, we, we sent out um, a, an invitation out into the internet and we actually had someone come and say they would be willing to speak to us today. So we have with us um, a gentleman by the name of Sarge. He has a channel on YouTube that I've been um, watching some episodes on called Prepping, Prepping with Sarge. Uh, so we have him on here with us today. So Sarge, um, welcome to the roundtable and um, thank you for joining us. Yes, welcome. Thank you so much. Really, really glad to be here. Really appreciate that you guys uh, sent out the invitation anytime we can get some word out to uh, to new new people about being prepared. Happy to be able to do that. Well, I think that's a mission accomplished with me, at least, because I I mean, I'm, I'm, I think the first thing we should probably start with is dispelling any of those rumors that are swirling around in my head, because without being in, um, trying to be insulting uh, to me, this lifestyle seems, again, 
articles, movies, uh, a Discovery Channel or TLC about extremists. It all seems like a crazy world to try to be part of. And so I'm really interested in trying to get some of these dispelled a little bit and really get to the heart of what this community is about. What does it mean to be a prepper? I think on one of your episodes, I learned a definition called uh, stackers, I think is what you called them. So like there's a whole world here that I, I really don't know a lot about, but I am dying to kind of open that door a little bit and peek in. All right, we'll, we'll do it. Let's do it. Okay. So one of the things for me, and I'm just going to jump right in, I feel like this is a community full of people who are waiting for the the atom bomb to drop or aliens to come from to the sky or the government to just implode. And now anarchy is just running the streets. I'll stop short of zombie apocalypse unless you tell me that is also something that people prep for. Uh, so, yeah, there's there's definitely a lot of that in the community. There's a lot of. Um, hyper-focus on the end of the world type scenarios, right? So we actually have an acronym for it. It's uh, T-E-O-T-W-A-K-I. I believe it's hard to do this off the top of my head, but it stands for the end of the world as we know it. Uh, and that would be your scenarios such as nuclear war, aliens, zombies, EMP, uh, cataclysmic comet, all of that stuff kind of falls into that kind of thing. And actually that's what brings a lot of people to the community. Uh, but prepping is, is really, in my opinion, so much more than that. You know, I think those are like kind of the worst case scenarios and my channel, what I try to do is really lean more into the scenarios that most people are going to encounter in their life. Like, you know, hopefully we never see hostile aliens land on the planet. Uh, so, but what are you going to see? You're going to see more storms. You're going to see recessions. You're going to see more wars, things like that. So how does that affect, uh, you know, my audience is predominantly the United States, but I have some people who tune in from Canada and other parts of the world. Um, so, so my content a lot of times is leaned towards a United States citizen and, and the kind of things that they are likely to encounter in their lifetime. Uh, and how to be prepared for that. So does that answer the question? Yeah, it's really starting to make me go, okay, because I'm not going to lie, I was like holding my breath a little bit to be like, I don't know how to address some of these other things because again, you you hear the extremists, I think, in any community because those are the, the I'm using air quotes, the fun conversations or the you know the really interesting and and from an outsider looking in, you're like, how can any community like this believe that all of a sudden if aliens dropped out of the sky, if I know how to can beets in my cellar, I'm going to be able to survive that. Like in my mind, that's what I'm trying to equalize and go. One doesn't fit well within the puzzle of life as well as the other one does. And so that does help me start understanding a little bit more. So can you kind of go into what is prepping for you in, in your community and um, what does that really entail? I, I mean, I know you said that it's things that we could encounter in our life. For, so like, you know, the government starts, you know, imploding or, or things like that. But can you de dive a little bit deeper just so I can have some more understanding? Uh, sure. So everybody is likely to at some point in their in their their career is likely to have some kind of job displacement. Right. So that can be as simple as. Uh, you know, your, your work doesn't need you in that role that you were in. And it, this is assuming that you're, you 
most people are working for somebody else. Uh, so they don't need you in that role anymore and you get reassigned and it may be something that you really don't want to do. So maybe you're out of work for a while. Uh, how do you, how do you prepare for a situation like that? Because, uh, just as an example, you know, somebody could say to me, uh, Hey, we don't need you in this role anymore, but we do need you over here. And now I've got an hour long commute, which I really don't want to do. So then I have a choice. Do I take that new role or do I say, uh, I'm going to find new work, uh, or, you know, I'm going to, or third option would be work there until I find new work. Right. So, so we have some choices there. Uh, or pay cut, right? Maybe a lot of people out there who've been listening have had to endure a pay cut. Um, I work in the field, I don't mind telling this, I work in the field of mental health. And um, years ago, a program that I was running, uh, the funding just got cut out from it. And that can happen in my world. It's it's fortunately only happened once in my career. Uh, but I was out of work for about six months. And uh, it was not fun. Uh, we had to, you know, skimp to be able to pay the mortgage and and go back to uh, a time in my life when we ate very cheaply and uh, not necessarily the most nutritious meals and things like that. So that's one example. Uh, I've lived through tornadoes and I'm sure many people in the audience have as well and hurricanes and things like that. And those things can be very disruptive as well. So these are the kind of emergency preparedness type topics that I try to lean more into. Um, but you're right. The the more fun conversations and the ones that tend to get people into uh, looking into this topic are the ones that like, what would happen if a nuclear bomb went off in New York city, right? What would happen if a comet hit California, you know, um, that's the kind of things that people want to speculate on and think about like, well, what would we do? Uh, and nobody, well, not nobody, but a lot of people don't want to give a little bit of thought to what happens if I lose my job and I'm out of work for a year. Yeah, that's a whole different spin on on prepping, because literally, when I think of prepping, I think, you know, buried school buses and bunkers, you know, bunkers in the backyard. And so um, that honestly, just talking about that makes it so much more accessible to me, you know, who I, I'm not, uh, I, I don't, it's not that I don't plan ahead, but I'm not, I wouldn't consider myself a prepper. Um but that makes me think, okay, wait a minute, maybe there are some of those qualities in me too. Those are some things that I think about, like, do I have an emergency fund to get me through, you know, a layoff or something like that? Do I have an emergency kit in my car in case I get stranded on the road? So that makes it a lot more accessible. Thanks for that. Yeah. That, I yeah. Say, and, and I'm sorry, Malin, go ahead. Oh, no, I was going to say the, the examples that you just, you just gave, Sarge, to me, you made it come home. Like I, I was like, yeah, I'm a casual observer and let's talk about all these things and reasons why people prep, but you just cut through all that. And a real life scenario is my job is not guaranteed and I have a family that I'm supporting. And so where I'm still having a little bit of a, a trouble connecting, prepping to even a situation like that is how can, how can that help in those situations where a prepper might be a little bit more prepared. And it sounds like, you know, the, the example you gave, you went through a six month period and it kind of sounds like you use some of your prepping skills to kind of, uh, among other sacrifices to get you through that time period. That's interesting to me because I still can't, I still can't draw that, that parallel. I don't know why one would be able to help you during a season like that. So uh, Jamie gave a really good example there about emergency fund, which is something that we talk about a lot on my channel, uh, that we really strongly encourage people to think about 
having an emergency fund to cover your bills. Now, the amount of time, like how much should you save is going to vary from person to person and source to source, you know, depending on who you're who you're listening to. For me, uh, I, I, I would it, this seems insurmountable when you're living paycheck to paycheck. But if you can work your way towards a six month emergency fund that would cover at least, you know, your mortgage your uh, your average electric bill, your average groceries, and maybe your vehicle payment and insurance, right? Like that's a pretty good comfort zone to be in for most people because the, the reality is most emergencies are going to be resolved in six months or less. Most situations are going to be resolved in six months or less. The really big ones, no. And that's, you know, that's something that usually people are going to get into anyways, once they start jumping into this topic. But uh, emergency savings, um, I'm a gardener. I've been a gardener my whole life. So supplementing our food source with gardening uh, definitely helped during that that period of time. And we also, uh, at that time, I had a little farm. So we had uh, chickens and, and being able to have uh, chicken eggs certainly helped with the, the food situation. Uh, we ate a lot of omelets and quiche and things like that to the point where we got dangerously close to never wanting eggs again, but it helped us get through those six months. And um, passive incomes is another one. Now this is this is starts to get into a little bit more uh, advanced part of financial prepping, but if you can think about generating passive incomes, income that's going to keep coming in for you, it may not be big. It may not be big. It may be twenty dollars a month here from something. And this can be like dividends from stocks that you that you invest in, or it could be uh, a small business that you that you have invested in, or it could be uh, as uh, as part of my channel. I work with several brands, and I give discount codes to my audience for stuff like that. So if they use my discount code, I get a little commission. So that's a little bit of passive income stuff like that uh, can also help, right? So it's maybe it's not going to replace my whole paycheck while I'm out of work. But it might put some gas in my tank. It might be the difference between me being being able to pay the electric bill or not that month, that kind of thing. So financial prepping is probably not the most popular topic in prepping, but it's definitely something my channel hits on. Well, and I noticed that recently. So there's a, there's a couple things I don't want to lose track of here. So I want to go back to supplementing your food source, because to me, I think that's really practical. And I, and I conceptually, I understand that. And I, you know, plant a garden. If you have chickens, get the eggs. Yes. The other part of it is the, um, there was an episode I was just watching today. I think it was your most recent episode that was released a couple days ago where you were talking about gold. And so I, I want to talk about both of those, but if I can start off with my question on uh, supplementing food source, you know, I live in a pretty metropolitan area. And so the, my, my house sits on, you know, less than an acre of land. So I don't, I have neighbors, I have, you know, covenants, I have all these things I have to work through. How would I, other than a garden, and again, I've tried a garden, and let's just say my family would starve to death. I'm, I, I'm, I'm not a gardener by any means. I tried. Um, I don't know if I can actually curse the land that I'm about to put the seeds into, but that seems to be what happens. But do you have any like practical suggestions for people, say like myself that live in a metropolitan area? How could we, other than a garden, how could we supplement some of that? So um, definitely. Getting into uh, you know putting back some food, right? So so uh, there's a thing that we call copy canning in prepping, which is if you, for example, if you like Bush's baked beans, there we go, free free plug for Bush's baked beans. If you uh, if you like Bush's baked beans, when you go to the grocery store, buy an extra can, 
you know, mark it with a permanent marker or something that like, you know, the date you buy it and put it back and uh, start building up uh, an emergency food supply that way too, right? So if you're not necessarily good at uh, growing food, which let me let me circle back to that in just a second, the uh, at least have a prepper pantry built up so that you've got you know, at least a couple weeks, if not a couple months of canned dried goods that stays good for a very long time. Uh, you know, most of that stuff's going to stay good for years. And if you rotate it, if you buy the stuff that you like and you rotate it, so stuff that you buy today, you know, three months from now, make sure you're using it, but also keep adding to it, keep adding to it as much as your space allows. Uh, people living in a small studio apartment, obviously that's going to be uh, kind of limited. And, and so you work with what you can. But, um, you know, as far as like gardening goes, yeah, there is a high, there, there, there's a high learning curve to it. And most people are going to have a lot of struggles their first year of gardening. That's very normal. Uh, part of gardening, in my opinion, is learning what grows well in your little microclimate. And if you only have a porch to work with, there's things, you know, herb, herb gardens and things like that grow really well in those spaces and they don't need a ton of sunlight. Uh, sprouting is one that a lot of people don't consider. Now, sprout, spe- seed sprouting is something that you can do without direct sunlight. You don't have to have any special lamps. You basically, certain seeds like sunflowers and radishes, you can buy kits online for them, or you can you can go watch videos and learn how to do this. And you can sprout them in a jar or in a um, canvas bag. And within five days, you're going to have a harvest. It's, it's really quick and loaded with nutrients, super beneficial for everybody, very, very healthy. You can eat them as they are. You can put a little bit of salad dressing on them. You can put them in a sandwich. Uh, and that doesn't take up hardly any space at all. Microgreens, same thing. You could grow in a windowsill. Um, but, you know, not just gardening, like fishing, hunting. You know, there's there's options for everybody. I also am a big fan of foraging. Uh, and that's actually, that's one of the things that really got me into this was learning about like plants that were in my area that I could eat that were loaded with nutrition and maybe even had medicinal qualities and that you could just basically go for a, go for a walk in your local park and you'd be able to find this stuff. If you have access, if you're near a forest, even better. Now check your local laws because there's rules about this stuff, but uh, you get the idea in a survival situation, I'm going to put my survival over the local laws. So you've literally just touched on two things. I, I know our audience can't see my face, but my mouth actually dropped open when thinking about eating those sprouts. Like I was thinking, oh, I was following along with you and I was like, okay, so then you'll replant those in your garden or you'll sell them. But then you're like, you can actually eat them. I'm like, oh, what? And then foraging, I, I never in a million years have thought about walking around my climate in my local community looking at plants to say what would it, it to your point in in a survival situation where could i pull food from from even the the neighborhood and the the, the local environment that i'm in today i never that never crossed my mind in a million years yeah and and i will tell you there's a reason why a lot of this stuff is not in the grocery store it's it's a lot of it's uh, not the best tasting. It's bitter maybe sometimes, like a lot of the greens are bitter. A lot of the food that we grow to sell in the grocery store has been cultivated over years to be better better tasting to the palate. Um, and so if you eat, for example, wild lettuce, 
it's not going to taste the same as the lettuce that you buy in the grocery store. It's going to have a usually a stronger taste and sometimes bitter. But I got I found that I got used to it and I don't I don't mind that. And some of not all of it tastes bad. Sorrel has a very nice citrusy taste to it. Um chanterelle mushrooms taste fantastic and you're you're hardly ever going to see something like that in the grocery store. Uh, so some of it tastes really good, but you have to be willing to experiment a little bit with the palate and be open to new t- tastes and flavors that you've never tasted before. So now you've gone, now you've gone to that space where I have a hard time imagining life, right? Like I have a really difficult time imagining a situation where I would need to go to my local park and find food that's growing to eat, because um, that is so far outside of any. Uh, imagined situation that I've ever been in. You know, um, we had a really terrible snowstorm one year. Uh, ice storm really knocked out, I mean, knocked over power lines and things. And we were without power for seven or eight days. Um, but even seven or eight days of no power, we were okay. You know, we made it. I had food in my house. We had one of those big floor furnaces, Do you mean, like this big grate in the middle of the house and I cook soup on it. Like it was, you know, we were fine. So I have a hard time imagining what kind of situation might put me in a space where I'd need to go, go food foraging in my, in my park. Can you talk a little bit about, um, what might, I guess what might bring us there? What, what might take me to a place where that might have to happen? So yeah, you're, you, we start to lean more into the survival aspect of of it, which is uh, I've been told by certain members of my audience that I'm more of a survivalist than a prepper, and and uh, and there is a difference. To me, I feel like I'm a little bit of both. Uh, I try to I try to cover both in my content, but uh, so this could be like if you if you enjoy hiking, you know, lost in the woods kind of scenarios. Um, but maybe also it's somebody who's fallen on really tough times and, and a homeless person or something like that, which, uh, I, I, you know, I've done some videos about the homeless community and they could happen to anybody, right? Like we could all be, we could all fall on something of really unfortunate consequences and our life could change in a minute. You know, sometimes mental health is, it comes into that too, where, you know, we all are experiencing doing a pretty good job with life. We're kind of, you know, we're going by, we're getting our bills paid, we have good friendships and and good supports. And then some horrible tragedy happens and, you know, your situation changes, your mental health situation changes. And all of a sudden, you know, maybe somebody stops showing up for work because they're so depressed. And the next thing, you know, they don't have work and then they don't have an apartment. And then, you know, life can fall apart on people and having some basic survival skills uh, and a lot of the home people would be surprised that how how quickly the homeless people uh, learn these things and adapt to them pretty quick. Uh, finding good shelter and things like that, finding safe drinking water and things like that. Um, but you know, from a, for the average layperson, I like I'm a hiker too. I like to go out in the woods and play in the woods, and so it was a natural step into well, what if I did get lost? What would I do? How you know? What could I eat? What where would I find safe water? And, how would I build shelter for the night? Things like that. Yeah, I just walk in the park. Uh, there's no forest walking for me, <laughs> mostly because I would be the one that would get lost and not know how to feed myself. So this is a this is a, that's a self preservation skill, I guess too. <laughs> well, and we've talked about this, and I've joked with my family. Like the good Lord knew when I needed to to live, because if I was back in like the 1800s trying to go through the Oregon Trail, I'm the first one dead. 
Like that, there's no like sustaining my life. I, I, and these are skills that I wish I had. I just have absolutely no idea how to even start getting them. I was in Cub Scouts years ago and I, you know, trying to learn how to start a fire and how to do all this. And it was like, this is a lot. And, um, it's just never something that stayed with me. So it's interesting to me when you hear, when I'm hearing you say this and I've seen some things on your channel, do you actually teach people how to, to do this kind of stuff, Sarge? Or, I mean, is your videos really kind of just the, the, the medium that you send this information out to? Uh, not in person. I do not offer in-person classes. I've been asked to do that a couple times. I may do it in the future, but right now I'm not doing anything like that. Um, but so yeah, I do, I do a lot of the teaching through the channel. Um, I've got a whole section just on foraging. I think there's a hundred or so videos in there of edible plants, most of which were in my area. But when I travel, I try to, I try to get a couple videos wherever I am, just so that there's a little bit of regional diversity for that kind of stuff too. Um, and, um, the, you mentioned Boy Scouts. I lost my train of thought there. You mentioned Boy Scouts there. That was actually a big part of what got me into that kind of stuff as well. I was, I was in Boy Scouts and I really liked the wilderness survival stuff and uh, building shelters, making fires, uh, finding plants that can repel insects, cool, cool stuff like that. And it always, you know, it stayed with me. Uh, the, the term prepper, like I grew up with, my grandmother was uh, a child during the Great Depression and told us stories about how they found food and, and things like that, how they how they stayed alive. My father was an 82nd Airborne paratrooper and did survival training in Alaska and taught me a lot of stuff about wilderness survival. And my mom was a was a gardener and taught me a lot of things about plants. And how to care for plants. So, so I kind of grew up learning all this stuff and having a natural interest in it. And we never really used the word prepper. And I'm not sure where that term got started from. Of course, now I use it as like that's how people find me. That's how people search search for it. It probably started with the show Doomsday Preppers. Um, and if you think back to when that show was was really popular, it was very extreme. You know, they they were using very extreme examples. Uh, and sometimes I have to do that too, to just to find, so the audience can find me because nobody's looking for, uh, what do I do if I get laid off of work? Right. They're looking for, what do I do if, if the zombies come, <laughs> what do I exactly. do if an EMP happens? So I have to, I have to appeal to that too, or the audience doesn't find me. So my, my, uh, thumbnails, if you, if you look at my thumbnails, they tend to be, the images are a little bit extreme. Um, but then if you start, once you start listening to me, hopefully the audience gets like, okay, this is, this is really a lot of common sense stuff. Yeah. The word that came to mind when I was watching your channel, cause again, that's, you, you pretty much did my mind map of how I came to start seeing your content was I started looking for those things, those alien, how do you, how do you prep for an alien invasion or a zombie apocalypse? And when I, when I got onto your channel, I'm like, this is a lot of practical use kind of things like every day. Um, again, still for me, it's, it's like, I still scratch my head to say, well, how would I incorporate that into, into my life? But what it's not, it's not, let's everyone buy a school bus, gut it, bury it into the ground and build a compound below the earth. So when the nuclear bombs go off, everyone's going to be fine. And that was kind of refreshing for me. Um, 
I have another question though that came to mind because we've been talking about you know finding food and and what to do if you laid off. But in a crisis, do you cover Sarge, or do you have any kind of suggestions around how um, you know we may be able to maintain our physical and mental health during that type of situation? Do you touch on that at all? I know you have a background in mental health, but I'm just curious. Along with finding food and water and shelter. Is there an element to what we need to think about from, a, you know, keeping ourselves fit and our mind sharp? A hundred percent, hundred percent. I think that uh, the everybody, that if, whether you're a prepper or not, you know, the the mindset of taking care of your your body and your mind should be hopefully something we're all thinking about. Um, I know you can start talking about cake before, and, and my wife is a baker, so uh, I love sweets. I, I really, really love sweets. But I also uh, stay physically active. And sometimes this issue becomes a little bit controversial in the prepping community. I've seen posts on Facebook or Reddit where people can get real defensive when you start talking about physical health. Uh, I get it. I totally get it. But it is important if there is, you know, something happens, right? Let's say anything from a tornado knocks down a tree uh, on your house to uh, train derails in your city, uh, you want to be as fit as you can to be not only be able to get yourself out of that situation if you have to, but to be able to render aid to somebody else. So physical, you know, that can be whatever people like, obviously. You know, we've talked about it a few times on my channel about different fitness options for people to to stay to stay uh, healthy physically. Uh, me, I, I mostly like hiking and yard work, and that's the majority of what I do. There was a time in my life where I was really in, heavy into weightlifting and things like that, and um, I don't enjoy that as much as I did when I was when I was younger. So I try to stay active by uh, walking a lot and uh, doing a lot of yard work and gardening, things like that. And that uh, that generally is going to help you with your cardio and your overall body and that kind of stuff. Now, if you're into other stuff. Um, I did martial arts for a long time and then had some health issues that prohibited me from continuing that. That's a great way to stay very physically active and gives you a whole body exercise. Of of course, you're going to hit about every muscle group you can think of. As far as the mental health piece, um, I think that this is another one that gets a little bit controversial in the the prepping community in that one of the big values in preparedness is resiliency and it's hard for people to conceptualize that if something happens some disaster happens your normal baseline mental health is going to be out the window okay so if you are let's just take a tornado for example i've lived through a couple of tornadoes and uh i'm generally a pretty calm peaceful guy but when you hear on the radio that a tornado is bearing down on your neighborhood that's going to change real quick and so you need to be able to recognize that your fight flight instinct takes over your fight flight freeze instinct takes over in an emergency it's a it's hard coded into our survival and into our into our dna for our survival and uh you can there's a lot of good things that come from that you know your when your fight flight freeze kicks in you're going to be stronger physically. You're going to be more resilient to pain. You're going to, your brain's processing power gets sped up tremendously. So much so that if you ever have it, you may feel like things are moving in slow motion, but it's it's not. It's that your brain is moving so fast and processing so fast. And uh, 
you want to have a little bit of training for, to undo the freeze because freeze is not good, right? Fight or flight can be can be good depending on the circumstance. Freeze is not good. You, freezing is is freezing can get people killed. So you think about our military and our first responders; they go to training to learn how to how to work past freeze. That's a big part of their training. And so we in the preparing community, pre- preparedness community, should be kind of thinking about that as well. So, so how do you do that? You can do little thought experiments, think about different scenarios and how, how would I respond to that? Um, you can do, uh, there's, there's a way that you can st- simulate fight, flight, freeze by basically doing some really intense cardio, high intensity stuff, and then making yourself do a task. So uh, for those people who like to go to the, the firing range and do target practice and stuff like that, in um, your firing range might not allow this, but you have to check your local laws, um, do like 30 jumping jacks and then try to try to load your weapon and, and fire accurately and see how that goes for you. Uh, it's the, it's, it's just a way to stimulate, simulate the, the fight, flight, freeze. It's not going to be exact because you're not, you're not really in a near death scenario. Um, but also the last, last piece of this I would hit on is the, uh, first aid, first aid, um, mental health, first aid, sorry. Mental health first aid. I, I recommend that everybody in my audience gets training on not just first aid and CPR and stop the bleed and that kind of stuff, but mental health first aid. And so this is just real basic stuff that anybody can learn on how to manage your mental health after a crisis and how to be helpful to somebody else after a crisis, right? So uh, what to do if somebody, if you if you come across somebody that there was a big um car accident, for example, like the big pileup on the highway and you get out and you want, you decide you're going to try and be helpful to that, that people around you and you come across and you can see somebody's in like full-blown panic attack mode. What are you going to do? Right? So the mental health first aid classes, which should be available around the country, you just have to kind of search for it. Uh, they'll teach you how to help somebody in those scenarios and, and how to get them back to a workable baseline, get them out of the freeze response, and how to help somebody if they're having some trauma response, like flashbacks and things like that, how to. And you don't have to have a degree in psychology uh, to, to do this. It's, they're available. It's, it's available to the general public, and it's encouraged because we want to have as many people in the community trained on this stuff as we can, just like first aid and CPR. That is an excellent training. I have done that one and mental health first aid for youth. They're fantastic trainings and they are, um, often available for free. So, um, in that same vein, I'm curious about another aspect of prepping and mental health. And that is, you know, I've never known anyone who says they are a doomsday prepper. Okay. Like this is not, this is not, something that I've encountered a lot of, but I do know people that who, well, that have started some of these prepping processes, right? They have some of these, some of these pieces, um, maybe they're buying gold in, in preparation for, you know, um, the stock market crash or, you know, whatever. And typically, typically I gather a sense of, like fear or paranoia or something like that from them that like, wow, I'm, I'm really concerned about your mental well-being in being so afraid of these things that, you know, we've never experienced. So how would you address that assumption that, you know, these acts really are coming out of a space of overwhelming fear or maybe poor mental health? I do think fear is something that drives people to start to look for answers for this stuff. And what what would I do in scenario ABC? 
Uh, I do think that's a big part of it. I think that if you were to ask most people who, once they get started, there's a period of when, when people are new to preparedness, there's a period of feeling like completely overwhelmed. And I think I see this a lot on the forums where people feel like they start there's because there's a, like a, a fountain of it's like a fire hose of information that just starts keep becoming available to you. And it's very easy to feel like I'm behind and I'm not prepared. So so there is a point in the beginning of it where I think that people get more overwhelmed than when they started. And then hopefully they start to, you know, connect with the right people and start to realize like, okay, so Sarge, you know, didn't get started on this like yesterday. I've been doing this for a long time and I don't, I, I try to tell people like, don't think the world is going to end tomorrow because I don't think like that. And if, and I joke around when people say, well, what are you prepping for? I'm prepping for retirement. That's what I'm prepping for. I hope that I can retire one day. You know, that's that's the goal. I want to retire. I want to live a peaceful life in retirement. But I think about these situations. And once you start to to make some basic preparations, your confidence goes up and your uh, the anxiety, I think, goes down. It's almost like prepping is the is the answer to the anxiety, because if you have three months of food of canned goods stored up, then you don't really worry about your next meal anymore. Right now, can it get out of control? Sure. Yes, it can get out of control. And, I, you know, we don't want to see I, at least I don't encourage people to, like, make your living space unlivable because you filled it with pallets of baked beans. You know, that's uh, balance is key. You know, you should be able to enjoy your home wherever you are and have a good living space and be able to have guests over and not feel like, well, I have to move my pallet of baked beans somewhere that kind of thing. So use use your space responsibly. Be uh, be be sensible, and you, and the more skills you build, the more your anxiety should go down, right? So, if somebody said, "Well, what if the grocery stores ran out of food and they didn't, they weren't going to fill them because there was a war going on or something like that?" Um, that's not really something that gives me a tremendous. It gives me a little bit of anxiety to think like that, but it doesn't give me a tremendous amount of anxiety because I know how to forage. I know how to fish, I know how to garden, and I've got some food stored up to, to weather through a short-term scenario. So um, I think it's, e it's easy in the beginning to get overwhelmed, and I do think fear drives people to the topic, but hopefully they, they slow it down and realize that it's a marathon, it's not a sprint. So Sarge, there's something that's come into my mind just from this conversation, and again, I don't think this is what you intended, but you really kind of split the community f for me into two halves. What I'll say, and these are my words, the sensible, rational, these are situations that are very probable and could happen to anyone. You've, you've given us very good examples um, today versus the, I'm, I'm preparing for the extreme cases that I've never seen happen in my lifetime has never happened in the past. Um, but is there room for both of those kind of mentalities and mindsets within the community? Or do you, do you see that fighting against each other where the sensible are trying to make this, a le I'll say a legitimate practice and community to be helpful in times of situations that are going to happen versus 
the ones that are fixated on those big events that probably will not happen. Yeah, absolutely. There's, so there is a lot of division and drama in the community around those kind of things. I do see a space, and I'm going to give you an example. Uh, I do see space for the coexistence of that as as long as people are willing to communicate and, and listen to each other, right? So the person who says, you know, they're they're building a bunker um, because they're worried about uh, nuclear bombs or something like that. Well, I, I'm not going to, I don't have a bunker and I'm never planning to build a bunker, but I'm not going to completely discount them that that couldn't happen either. Um, but I would like to have a conversation with them where I say, okay, but what are you doing about, you know, the hurricane that's supposed to hit you next week, right? Or what are you doing about um, the uh, the chance of a recession or, or, you know, a prolonged recession or something like that? Um, because I think it's easy to get caught up with not seeing the forest for the trees, but also being too hyper-focused on the trees and not seeing the, the giant forest, right? So we all have these this uh, echo chamber and tunnel vision that we exist in, which I think you're, this is what I love about your podcast is that you guys show the world so many different aspects of life that it really kind of forces people if they listen to think about that there's different viewpoints, right? That's, this is one of the things I think you're, you're probably, whether you, I'm assuming it's intentional, but you guys do this really well. <laughs> well, thank you. Yes, it's intentional and we appreciate the feedback. Right. Cool. Uh, yeah, you do it. You do it really well. And, um, so I, I think communication, listening, patience is is key, just like with when you're trying to get any groups to, to listen to each other and take value in what the other one has to say. But the example I wanted to use where this if this comes up frequently in forums and, and, and things is there's one group of the preparedness community that says gold and silver are completely useless. They have no value in an SHTF situation, which means the poop hit the fan, basically. Uh, it has no value in an SHTF situation. <laughs> I just got and, that. <laughs> yeah. And so if you ever see SHTF, that's what it means, the poop hit the fan. Uh, something, In other words, something bad has happened. So, And then there's another group, which I, I subscribe to, which says that, well, hold on. If a comet is about to hit the earth, yeah, I agree with you that that gold and silver is not going to do anything for me. It's not going to help me. If nuclear bombs start landing, my gold and silver is probably not going to save me. Totally agree with you. You got a valid point. But I have a friend in the preparedness community who was homeless for a little while and she sold her gold and silver to be able to get a new, get her first, last, and security to get into a new apartment. Uh, there's been historical examples of people who have used gold to escape a war zone by basically bribing their way across the border. Uh, gold is an anonymous source of currency that's recognized all across the world. You could take you could take five ounces of gold, which would be worth about ten thousand U.S. dollars, and it would fit in your pocket. And it's very, five ounces, so less than a pound, and you could travel to anywhere in the world. And you could find a jeweler or a coin dealer who's going to buy that from you in the local currency and probably anonymously. So it's untraceable. It's untrackable. Um, it's been used to uh, procure things on the black market. So let's say that you're let's say that there was a situation where a country was in war where um, the amount of medicine that you could get per month was regulated. Right. You could possibly use gold and silver because it's anonymous and untraceable to uh, acquire what your family needs 
um, under the under, you know, not so above table ways. I'll say it that way. Um, the the dollar at some point is going to be switched almost certainly to a digital dollar. And that's, that's probably coming. They, and this is not like conspiracy theory. It's been talked about openly by our legislators that that's the goal. They want, they want it to be um, a digital type dollar that, so that every transaction will be traceable. Um, there's always going to be some kind of black market currency for people who don't want to have their transactions monitored by other people. Right. And I'm not even talking about like illegal stuff. I'm not even talking about that. I'm saying like, you want to gift um, somebody that you're trying to help $2,000. Maybe you've got a family member that's fallen on hard times and you want to help them. But now there's no more fiat dollars. And this is probably something that we're going to see in our lifetime, that the fiat dollar will be going away. Uh, they could potentially take gold and silver and trade it to another to another currency or create it to um, the digital dollar. Uh, and that would be your your relationship in that would be untraceable so um it's been used all kinds of different ways uh, during the american civil war it was used to cross borders to uh, break through blockades things like that by bribing um it's and the best part about it is is gold and silver have gold more so than silver gold has historically i'm not talking about in the last 20 years last 20 years have been a little bit funny but or historically has kept pace with inflation survived the collapse of empires and always comes back on top and can be traded into the new currency. So in a, in a situation where aliens have landed, nope, it's not going to do you any good. But I can think of a million other scenarios between A and Z where gold and silver would potentially have some value. That being said, I don't think it should be anybody's first prep. Gold is very expensive and it's continuing to, it just went up quite a bit in the last month. Uh, your first prep should be food security and a way to purify and store water. Uh, hands down, those those should come way before anyone's thinking about gold and silver. So you touched on the one item that I wanted to come back to because I just learned this term after watching your most recent video. Is that what a stacker is then? Or can you explain what a stacker is if it ties into this at all? I'd, I'd appreciate it because it kind of sounded like it was someone who like preps using gold, but again, I don't want to oversimplify. So could you expand on that for just a second? Yeah, absolutely. It's just uh, somebody who's stacking gold or silver. They're, um, they're, it's different than a collector. Like a collector might be looking for certain pieces. A stacker is basically just going for weight. How much gold and silver can I acquire? This is something you do. Um, so we won't be sharing your address, state, location, or anything like that. But I'm curious, like, so are, are you talking like you purchase rings and bracelets and, and throw those in a safe or coins or what does that look like? I guess I, I have zero, uh, zero understanding of what yeah. that is. Yeah. So there's, there's different options. People can get gold bars and silver bars. Um, the, uh, can I mention a company that I work with? Is that okay? Sure. Yeah. Um, so, I, so for example, one, one example would be Atmex, A-P-M-E-X. I'm an Atmex affiliate. Uh, and so you can, you can go on to their website and, uh, order stuff and it will be discreetly delivered to your door. It doesn't say on the package, like gold and silver is contained in this box. Um, so you could get bars, you could get coins, you could certainly do jewelry and different people have different strategies on what makes the most sense for them. So for example, bars, you're more likely to get more weight per dollar spent with bars. 
coins is what I typically like because they're recognized all over the world, especially if you buy like a, a U.S. Eagle. Everybody, every coin dealer in the world, every jewelry shop in the world is going to know what a U.S. Eagle is. And if you bring it in, it's instantly recognizable to them. Um, but there, other countries have their own version of it. Canada has the silver and gold maple leaves. Mexico has the Libertads. South Africa has the Krugerrands. China has the Pandas. Um, the uh, UK has the... Um, ah, I forget. Uh, and uh, um, Austria has the Philharmonics. And they're beautiful coins. Um, so that's what I primarily... And I primarily lean into the American Eagles and Canadian Maple Leafs because uh, those are the two most popular in the world. You could also go jewelry, um, and there's some pros and cons to that. You're going to pay more premiums for jewelry. In, our, in other words, like there's a spot price. So right now, gold is sitting at the time of recording this. Gold is sitting at $2,075 or so per ounce, which is the highest it's ever been. And if you buy a bar of gold, you're going to get a pretty close to that price. If you buy coin, you're going to pay more than that. If you buy jewelry, an ounce of jewelry is going to cost a lot more than that. So why would people go jewelry? Well, it's historically, it's been also looked at a little bit differently. There was a gold confiscation in the United States in 1933, and gold gold jewelry was exempt from that confiscation. And uh, when you travel abroad, gold jewelry, wearable gold, is looked at differently than if you suddenly went through... Uh, customs and you had, you know, 10 one ounce gold bars or 10 one ounce gold coins. Not that it's illegal to do those things, but you're definitely going to draw some attention to yourself from customs when you do that. Whereas jewelry is jewelry. And so it's, it's regarded a little bit differently. All right. I, and I'm, I'm looking at our, our time and stuff. And so I want to be mindful we are coming to the end, but before we, we close, I do have one more question. So um, it has to do with technology. We talked about the digital currency, so that kind of opened the door for for this next question. In your opinion, Sarge, does technology have a place in in you know preparing for the future, or what does that look like from your your perspective? A hundred percent. You know, we as much as we like to talk about primitive skills, fire making and foraging, and um, making shelters, things like that. Uh, why would, why, why should we not use smartphones, right? Like this is one of the greatest inventions ever. And it's your, your number one connection to safety in a bad situation, right? And that can be as simple as you're walking to the parking lot after doing your Christmas shopping. And there's uh, a, you know, there's a, a van, this actually just happened to a friend of mine and she smartly went back into the store and asked for an escort out to her car. There's a van with dark, dark, darkened windows parked right next to your car, even though there's other spots available and two men are like standing outside the van talking, right? Like this, I think most people's instincts would say there's something there that I need to be careful about. Right. So uh, yeah, your smartphone can take pictures. It can take video. It can call, you can drop a pin and uh, let somebody know your location. Um, There's some great apps out there that I always recommend to my audience to go to your local news app on whatever their app store is and download their local news and then turn notifications on because you'd be surprised. It will tell you, ours tells us when a road has been blocked. It tells us when there's car accidents happening, when there was uh, a couple years ago when there was rioting in the city, it told us what streets to avoid. 
you know, so that's that's a great resource there. There's another app that I like that's called uh, Life360. Now, Life360, if you're not familiar with it, also what it will do is you, you basically you add people from your circle, you know, your friends and family, whoever you want to add. And if they they have Life360 as well, you can always see where they are. Huge safety benefit to that at the cost of you are giving up some of your privacy, right? So people have to weigh that, like how much privacy am I willing to trade for, for safety? And that's that kind of depends. I don't have any little kids in our house right now. My, I have an adult stepdaughter. Um, but if I did, if I had teenagers, I would absolutely mandate like, hey, I'm paying for your phone. You're putting Life360 on and I want to know where you are at all times. Not that I want to be in your in your business, but I, but I want to be, I want to know that you're safe. Uh, that's all. All of my kids have that downloaded and they all protest. I'm like, that's fine. You protest. I will monitor you as I see fit. So, okay. Um, I, you know, I, I don't think I have any other questions. Jamie, do you have anything else for Sarge? I don't, this has been so interesting and, and I appreciate the take on it. Um, as opposed to the glamorized, um, or maybe not so glamorized, uh, television show, uh, that we, that we watched when we were younger, but, um, it's, I guess it's good to look at it through a different lens and to understand that it's not just some extreme, you know, extreme practice for people who are, who are not doing okay. And that there really are some practical things that, you know, and quite frankly, um, I, this is such a relevant topic to me coming out of 2020, right? Like I had no toilet paper, I needed toilet paper and there was none. Right. And so, you know, some of that little prep preparedness, those steps could have been helpful in that time too, you know, as we were adjusting to, to what life was going to be like with supply chain, supply chain issues and things like that. So, um, I think it's a super relevant topic and I appreciate your take on it and, and what you've brought to us today. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah. You've, you've really legitimized this in my, my mind, because again, I was looking at it through the lens of this doesn't apply to me. Um, this is extremists, you know, people are talking about situations that will never happen or never happen. Like how in my mind, honestly, Sarge, I was thinking things like, how can some people think that this is a good way of life? And what you did is you came in and you kind of separated those two for me. And you really showed me that there is practical uses and everyday things that we can be doing and probably should be doing right. Like being prepared is not a bad thing. And somewhere along the lines, I think there's a stigma to it that says if you are out there trying to stockpile a little food or have a, a more than a month's worth of toilet paper, for instance, you are one of those crazy people. And I, I don't think that's the case. And yeah, 2020 really kind of started shifting some of those viewpoints. But even after that, you still talked about, you know, I'm a prepper or doomsday prepper. You just people kind of like, oh, OK. And you've taken a lot of that sting out of it. So that's what I've enjoyed about talking with you and particularly um, engaging this topic is it's it's made it more it's made it more practical. And the, I think you said the word common sense. So I love it. Appreciate that. Yeah. The, the big conundrum, of course, is how do I get people to. Uh, to, to prepare without having to, and I think that I'm not the only person that struggles with this, without having to resort to sensational, uh, you know, titles and images to, to draw them in. And, and I don't have an answer for that. Uh, I tried to just be kind of vanilla with, um, you know, like how to prepare for the next hurricane or, or whatever. And people don't click on that until there's a hurricane, you know, and then it's too late. You, you should have prepared already. Um, but 
I don't know. If I can figure that out, I, I think that I, we could get more people into this. In the meantime, I, I you know, I, I, I do a little bit of, um, you know, we'll show some nuclear bomb images and stuff like that in my in my titles. And then hopefully, if you listen to me for 30 seconds, you might hear like, hey, this guy's actually got some interesting information, you know. I feel like Malin's gathering some ideas to to bring in some new listeners too. So we appreciate <laughs> we appreciate the tips. <laughs> um, but no, as we as we're wrapping up, and again, we want to kind of get your you know what you do, your channels, all your social medias out there as much as possible. So, Sarja, would you mind doing a little bit of self promotion? Kind of tell us the projects you're working on or things you're involved with, and you know where where people can find you and and we'll take those links and we'll have them in our show notes so people will have them they can they can click on them too but would you mind just take a little bit of time and tell us where people can find you and what you've been doing sure love it thank you um so uh what i've been doing recently i, I recently went to a big training with uh it's called georgia bushcraft it's the largest bushcraft event in the in the united states and basically what that is is it's like kind of wilderness survival with um bare minimal tools right like so maybe a knife and and a water container and things like that Got to learn from uh, some of the great experts in in the industry, like Carly Fairchild from Alone, who I took a couple classes with her. She taught me how to do uh, make cordage out of plants, which was really cool. I'd never done that before. Uh, so I've got a lot of that content is is coming out, and she's actually going to be on my channel uh, sometime in in 2024. We haven't nailed down a date yet, but uh, best way to find me is on YouTube. Prepping with Sarge. Uh, if you search by that, it should come right up. And uh, the other, the other uh, medium that I'm on a lot is Instagram. And on Instagram, it's prepping underscore with underscore Sarge. And I try to upload daily something to Instagram, but you're also on on YouTube. It's it's a little bit less frequent, but you're going to get more in depth stuff. I'll, I'll show you like more uh, gardening tips and foraging tips and things like that. You're going to get much more. Uh, in-depth content there. I um, I have to ask, because we just recently started transitioning over to threads ourselves. Have you tried threads? I haven't because I'm I'm pushing on four social medias right now and I really don't have the mental bandwidth to take to take up five. I wish I did. <laughs> yeah. We we are we're abandoning one of them ourselves because again it's it's a lot to maintain. So we are switching one out for the other. So well Sarge, it's been great. Like I said, we'll make sure we get that content in there and the the links for people to to find you. Um, can't say thank you enough. Uh, really informative, and I had a lot of fun with you. So thank you for coming on. Yeah, Malin and Jamie, thank you so much. Really appreciate you both. Appreciate you. I pre- I love what you guys are doing with the podcast. Please keep it up. You guys have a great product here. Oh, thank you. We appreciate that. And thanks. Yeah, thanks again for coming on, and thanks everyone for listening. We'll catch you again next time on Roundtable Mindset. Bye, everyone. Bye-bye. This podcast was recorded and edited by Jamie and Malin. Music by Famous Cats. If you have a topic you'd like us to discuss, please email us at roundtablemindset at gmail.com. Text or call us at 402-819-8999 or join the conversation on Facebook at Roundtable Mindset Podcast. And never miss a new episode by making sure you like, subscribe, and share wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks for being our guest today. See you next time at the Roundtable. And remember, your opinions and perspectives matter and are appreciated, but might not always be shared by others. And that's okay. Okay.